When you're running a sale in Shopify, you create coupon codes, right? That's just one more thing for your customers to deal with. What if instead you could automate price changes and promotions? That's exactly what Bold's product discount app does. It's one of my longtime favorites from Bold, and if you need to run any kind of sale, this is the app to do it. You can run sales by hand-selecting products, a collection, a vendor, a product type, or even the entire store. And when you run sales, you can schedule them to start and stop at certain times. And there's an, even an option to put a live countdown timer on the products on sale. So it's perfect for daily deals. Sale ends in 4 hours, 3 minutes, 21 seconds, and counting. Imagine the urgency this can create. So one of the automation features I really like is this app's ability to put sale icons and badges on sale products, then automatically tag them when it puts them on sale, and remove the tag when they're off sale. So this lets me create a clearance or deals of the day section by making a Shopify collection where the product tag equals daily deal, and then the product automatically appears and disappears from it when it's on and off sale. And these sales pages are consistently one of the most visited pages on the stores that have them. So from power hour sales, daily deals, countdown timers, clearance corners, and more, just about every store can benefit from some kind of sale that this app can run. Before your next sale, grab it free for 60 days at ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily. And it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com dot com slash unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, and there is one status symbol I don't own. It's a very expensive cooler. So years ago, I had a client who tried to explain the concept of a Yeti cooler to me. And the, he said, the Yeti cooler is a redneck status symbol. He's like, if you scientifically test these things, they don't keep things particularly cooler than a regular cooler. They cost hundreds of dollars. And the whole point is you throw it in your boat or your pickup truck so that other people could see that you could afford a $300 cooler. And they look cool. They've got like a tactical look that I'm into. By virtue of being a you know thirty something white guy, mostly white guy, but I love these I love these coolers, but they're expensive and they get a lot of shit. On that note, our guest today has a parody brand that is very successful. They started in 2016. It's called Shitty Coolers, which is a a play on the Yeti Coolers name. 
Um, it, back in 2016, they started doing everything wrong and succeeded in spite of that. They've, they had their website on Weebly. They weren't sending out emails. They weren't building out an audience uh, using uh, Facebook pixels. They were doing everything wrong and survived despite all of that. And so today, we are joined by the co-owner and co-founder, Trevor Zachney, as well as Shitty Cooler's digital marketing manager, Craig LeBlanc, who joined after one year. And I want to talk through their journey, their thoughts, and where they, they found themselves stumbling, how they got past those roadblocks, and the things that helped them get to where they are today. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Where are you guys located? Uh, absolutely, Kurt. Thank you for having us on here. We appreciate that. Um, we are located in uh, Detroit, just out of Detroit, Michigan, about 20, 20 miles out. So um, that's where we grew up. That's where we're both from. I actually went to school with Craig uh, back in the day, and um, kind of we're kind of when we were struggling with our website, we kind of contacted him. He reached out, and and kind of here we are. How did this idea get started? Where did you? Get the idea for Shitty Coolers. Um, so it was 2016. I um, bought tickets to go to a country music festival in, in Michigan. It was It's the biggest uh, country fest um, in Michigan to date. So I got tickets. I was out at the bar, and I just kind of bought them on the spot. And I went there by myself, and I met a few buddies that were there that were at different sites. And I realized when I was there that like there were people with Yeti coolers in their truck, in their tent. And what they were doing is they were bringing them out during the day, drinking with them and then at night they would either like bring them in their tent they would lock them to their truck and i was like this is just ridiculous like what like when i had a literally had a backpack on and like literally oh, quote unquote my shitty cooler with me that literally was nowhere near what these other people had and i was like well, well why do they need that like so i came home after that country festival and my brother um actually bought a yeti so i got in my apartment i'm like like why why do you need I actually made a Snapchat and it said, Well, why do you need a Yeti when we all when I have shitty? And I kind of fanned the camera over to my old shitty cooler and it literally had a piece of paper taped to it with a napkin and it just said shitty on there. And I actually remember I'll ask my brother, like, how do I spell it? You know, like what do I do? And I just kinda of giggled in the Snapchat. It's actually on our website too under like our, our story and we kinda of show that um on there. Um so that kinda of happened and when that happened we laughed and I had like some attention from like my Snapchat followers, which was like very minimal at the time. And, um, they laughed at it. Months went by and we were like, let's just make stickers for your old cooler. Like let's just label and rebrand. Um, a majority of the coolers at the festival were shitty coolers. You know, like you said, status symbol is everything right now. And a lot of them had overpriced Yeti coolers. And we were like, why do you need that? So we bought, I think our first batch of stickers was we spent like 400 bucks to start. We got like a few hats. It was mainly stickers at the start. We put the stickers on eBay and we sold a few, like they were selling like pretty good. Cause all I had was an Instagram at the time. And I would just put the Instagram or the link in, of the eBay in the Instagram bio and they would just click into there. And I'm like, okay, we sold a few and I'm like, I got to, I'm, I'm an, I'm a teacher. So I had, I'm like, I got to call off of work and make a website because this is kind of inconvenient um, at the time. Uh, that was kind of in the process, too. We were selling on eBay and also trying to sell on Google Forms where they were just literally like, it was the most half-assed way to sell anything. So e-commerce 101, Kurt, it was just use the Google Forms and then eBay. They followed it by the book. <laughs> well, and you can, yeah, you can, like this is presented as like, look how wrong and bad we did it. 
But when you're starting from zero, this is still better than doing nothing. I dearly love eBay. I just, I sell, rather than throw them out, give them away, I sell all my old electronics and stuff on eBay. I love it. It's a good time. And that's how I got my start in e-commerce is uh, eBay at age 16, right? A bootleg account. Tell me about that. uh, Selling on eBay four years ago, four or five years ago, what was that like? Yeah, give me give me the rundown. How much did you sell? What did it inspire you to do? What was wrong with it? So back when we were selling on eBay, I had it set up to where it was kind of all on my phone, and I would like fulfill orders in my car. Or, like my brother would fulfill orders at the apartment. There wasn't really like a huge high demand for the orders. It was just kind of trickling out. So we were able to manage it. Um, once we got the website going, it became like okay, now we're on Instagram. Now I would like pay other people. Uh, big accounts like fishing related accounts, hunting to post um, our pictures. And that kind of helped grow us in the beginning where it was like, okay, now um, it was a lot easier to link people from our page to the site and then for them to buy something. So I took the day off work, like I said, created the website, did that. It was looking back at it, it was so bad. It was terrible. There was no way to gain emails. It was the products weren't really linked. It wasn't like a, it wasn't any, there was no flow to the website. Um, they would kind of get into like a pigeonhole where they would go to one product. They wouldn't be able to research anything else. Um, but at the time we started, once we had the site, we started to get into Facebook ads. Um, and once we started to do that, I, w- I went from spending $30 a day on Facebook ads, like the first month we started doing it to ended up spending, you know, the next month it was like 80 bucks a day. And then I would like every month I would be like, okay, let's up the budget. Let's up the budget. Um, so our first, I think it was our first couple months we were averaging like, it was like 30 grand a month within the first couple months. Um, Whoa. And then it's pretty good. Yeah. So it kind of, it was almost like the ads were going viral at the time and we did not know. So it was, and Kurt, it's worth mentioning too, the the first meeting I ever had with these guys we're we're just talking, you know, ad stats and trying to figure out, you know, where's your primary traffic coming from and whatnot. And the month of July, I think they mentioned you had right around 70,000 hits to the website and they truly at the time didn't have any idea which ad was performing the best, where exactly the traffic was coming from, why it was coming to the website. So this thing was like, it, it was moving along quick. People were loving it. But they were still trying to wrap their heads around, you know, who's loving it? Where are they loving it from? Like, is it down south? Is it out west? You know, where is all this traffic coming from? So it all really came together pretty quickly and rapidly from going from eBay to Weebly. Um, And then when I met with them uh, in early October of 2017, um, and then we decided to transition to Shopify. Well, how long did it take you to go from zero to 30K a month on the website? On the website, I would say within, it was about two three months it was like okay now we're hitting 30k like it was like it was a it was a rapid in the beginning because it was mainly stickers at the time so when it kind of got to that point where it kind of went a little bit viral and out of control we ended up having to move to my grandma's basement for a while to fulfill orders down there and that was at the time we only had one style shirt and like a couple different hats and it was mainly stickers what we were selling so it was like it was pretty manageable like crank out a lot of orders because it was like stickers and just minimal inventory we had. So, and we kept open inventory on everything. So we would just have a local t-shirt. Um, we had a lady doing our shirt. She would literally press them. We'd bring them to the house and we would send them out. Um, stickers, we were able to get real quick. And then hats, we were actually pressing the hats by our, ourselves with a actually a heat press iron to start, which is pretty ridiculous. 
you're you went from eBay, you got the Weebly site going, you had 30k a month, and you knew you needed something better. Um, what was the the pain point where you said, "Man, we got to get off of this thing"? For for that, it was more like when Craig reached out to me. I think because at that time it was like we were going into our. It kind of went viral. We were doing very well, and it hit after summer where it was like October. And if you we thinking back, it's seasonal. Obviously, we're we're own a cooler brand, quote unquote, to where it's you know in October, November, you're gonna kind of hit a slump, and we hit a slump that first time. It was kind of like the viral kind of wore, wore off, and now it was kind of back to reality. And we had our site up and running, and Craig um, was hearing through some people that we started the brand, and he looked at our website and obviously knew it needed work, and he gave me a call. And, yeah, I saw I saw the yeah. website, and I a couple of friends had mentioned to me what Trevor and Austin were doing. And uh, at first, I'm like, all right, that just sounds kind of silly. Like, obviously, a big parody brand. Um, they can't be doing that well because I had heard that they've been doing pretty good. And I took a look at their website. And on mobile, I just had a really hard time navigating it. And like Trevor mentioned, I grew up with these guys. So I just shot him a text and didn't know what I should expect back from it if uh, he was actually going to be interested. And it turned out to be that, like, it was perfect timing to where they needed, they knew that they needed to do something to get to the next step. Um and that's something definitely a key point was transitioning over to Shopify from Weebly, which opened us up to just an entire platform of scaling, adding new app integrations, um, growing their email list. And, you know, you can go on and on with that. What did that when you sent you cold texted him and basically said, hey, I want to horn in on your business because I heard it's successful. But <laughs> yeah. there's some obvious issues here. What did that text look like? Um, Honestly, I think it was just, hey, I heard you guys are doing shitty coolers and it's going pretty well. Um, if you guys ever want to meet about, you know, some enhancements with your website and just some stuff that you guys can be doing on Facebook, you know, let me know. And, uh, being that we have known each other for a while, there wasn't like pushback into, you know, why is he reaching out? What does he want? It was kind of, okay, yeah, we can have a conversation. Um, so I think the first time I went and met with them, wasn't the ceiling leaking at the building? <laughs> yeah. Our offices, the struggle <laughs> that we went through, through our office is ridiculous. It, it had no heat, no air leaked. Ugh. There was mice everywhere, but yeah, he came and met with us there and just, I kind of, that was the first point where I kind of showed him the numbers and he really got to look at it for himself and not hear through our friends or whatever that we were doing well. And I was he was shocked. just, yeah, he was shocked. So that was when I knew like having an outside somebody come look at it that, that knew the e-commerce world and have him have such a strong opinion about like, dude, you guys can, you guys are killing it. Like I was like, I know we're killing it, but we gotta, how do we keep it going? And, and he's helped with that tremendously on just getting things streamlined and monetized to where now we're not just making decisions off of how we feel. It's more like stat based stuff, which has changed our entire game. Um, Trevor, what was your background? My background, I'm a physical education teacher. I am still doing that to date. Um, I don't know why. I need to probably hang that up soon at some point. Um, How will yeah, you know when it's time to quit your job? Um, I don't know if I ever will. I think I just need to take the leap. Um, I don't know if there's a number of sales we could hit to where I would be like, okay, I'm done. Um, this year we're set for over a million in sales. It's our, you know, we're a couple years in and we're already set for that. Hmm. Um, so as far as like, I'm more, I do more like that, a lot of the, like the marketing and accounting part of it. Um, I'm looking for a stronger person to handle our accounting and backend stuff before I'm like financially comfortable to be like, okay, I'm done. Um, cause I think it's important to have the back end stuff in line before just kind of making the decision. What a million. That's where you're at now. You're on track to do a million yeah. this year. 
Yeah, Craig, yeah. you can go over some of the numbers if you want. Yeah, so um, we just actually had our biggest month to date in terms of sales. We spent probably a little bit too much money um, in Facebook ads last month where we would have hoped to have had a bigger return. But last month we did, uh, just yesterday finished, uh, it was 220000 in sales. Yep. Um, so for the month, and right now we're approaching 700 k for the year. Uh, and July should be our biggest month, so we should creep up on a million in sales for the year. Uh, by the end of this month. And we have one of our biggest products dropping. Um, we use a really good app uh, called Back in Stock where we have lots of people signing up for, we have a, a backpack cooler that has about 2,500 signups on it, which is by far the most we've had on any product. So we think we're projecting for our biggest day in sales to occur at some point this month when that backpack cooler drops. So that's where we're at right now. Congrats, guys. That's wild. Yeah, thanks. thank you. And I saw the uh, the backpack cooler on your site. It looks really cool. It's fun. Yeah, our so, designer Austin, he uh he does great work, man. Like when, when it comes to he's just a funny dude and he knows the audience really well at this point, so where the products that he pushes out, it makes them very easy to sell online because the people love them. And that brings me to two follow-up questions. Audience and okay. product. Let's go to basics. Tell me about the the product mix. What is it? Why is it so exciting? How has it changed? Give me the lowdown. Yeah, I think our our products are exciting because at first it was just stickers and at that point you need we in the back of my head I'm going okay, we can't just be a sticker company. Like if we want this to be a brand, it has to have an incomplete culture built around it and not just a product. So from the beginning I was really big on okay, the stickers one thing, but creating content, creating products that kind of align with our overall culture, which is just cracking a few beers after a work day and casting the pole in the water, like that's all we're looking. We're not looking at the guy who's like out on his million dollar boat with his beer. That's in the cooler full ice that he can keep it for a week. Um, so it's like capturing the culture was big. And then like within our products, we do a good job of that. And like at first it was kind of just shitty cooler t-shirts and just the basic logo kills it. Cause it is a parody brand. I mean, people do associate it with that, but I think it has taken its own, kind of turn into being its actual culture because yeti is kind of at the top yeti is a a premium brand for outdoor enthusiasts shitty is this parody brand but it's taking on a life of its own and you're steering it toward the same market but here yeah it's it's kind of like saying yeti's up here and shitty's at the bottom like if you don't have a four dollar cooler you don't have the amount of that much money to spend on that like we still got you down here like you are the you're camping and you are just grinding and literally working the nine to five. Like that's the person that we're trying to hit through our products. Um, we also do a lot of recently we started releasing a lot of country shirts, like country based shirts that are referring to old country music. Because if you if if you listen to country music now, it's it's a lot different than it was back in the day, back in like the eighties and nineties. Right. Um, There's before so, and after Taylor Swift. Right. So, (laughs) so it's like when we started coming out with like building the culture around the country music and staying shitty, which is like using what you have, listening to old country, um, not buying overpriced products. That's the definition of like staying shitty. So anything vintage and old is kind of right up our customer's alley. Yeah. And the timeline of the product too, it's really interesting because you look back to even just a year ago and the entry point of conversion for us, which was, you know, the first time customer that's adopting shitty coolers as their go-to brand instead of a Yeti. I mean, it's costing a person 10 bucks to get in because we're just saying a year ago, we didn't even have backpack coolers. It was just stickers. So our whole tagline was, 
was rebrand your old cooler, like rebrand grandpa's cooler. So you got that old igloo, the old Coleman. And to get into our brand, it's going to cost you $3.50 at the time, I think it was, right. for one sticker. And we sell individual stickers. We used to sell four packs and 12 packs. Now it's just one pack or an individual and a six pack. So the evolution of identifying, you know, let's eliminate 12 packs because that's a little too expensive. Let's eliminate four packs. Let's make it a happy medium with six. Um, we then entered into offering a brand plate, which is just a, a really nice plate that you can put on the front of your cooler um, and it just says shitty on it. So it's something that people really, that was one of our biggest products at one point. And right now it doesn't sell that often because we have really diversified into the backpack coolers and the t-shirts. And it's now kind of an afterthought for people to buy that. Um, so we've really uh, updated our t-shirt inventory to where, like Trevor said, we've honed in on that country demographic to where if you do look at our t-shirt section of our website, I think we have nine or 10 shirts right now that are really tailored to that specific interest group because our ad spend to that interest group is pretty insane right now on a monthly basis. And we've identified that over time. So it sounds like the, the journey here is you had a clever idea and a parody brand. It tapped into something. It resonated with people. You recognized it. You scaled it. And then in understanding the, the audience, the demographic, the niche, you were able to start making it more your own and saying, okay, here, is our, here are our products that fit, this, that fit these needs. And here is like our lifestyle stuff that goes along with it. It's very clever. I hope it's, you realize not many people could do this. It's it's gotten more and more refined, I would say, month by month. And I mean, we've been really lucky to this point that you look at the amount of ad spend we have and you look at the money that we're making on a month to month basis. And we've done all of, you know, a bunch of A-B testing and trial and error with Facebook ads. And we haven't really had a month where we've lost money, which I expressed to Trevor, like when I first came on board, I said, it's absolutely insane that you guys have started from scratch with a $400 investment in stickers. And really not lost a dime because over time we've had the ability to, you know, find out that people love the stickers. And then after it was the stickers, it was just sticker packs. And then it was the hats and the t-shirts and now it's the backpack coolers. And along the way, we've kind of fit what the demand is from our audience. And we've just, we've just rolled with it. Really. We found what we get momentum with and we've been quick to adopt it. And the stuff that doesn't work, we've been quick to kill it. That's well, I think that's, that's sound advice right there. Hold up. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer brands like ColourPop, Huckberry, and Casemate all have in common? They rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform chosen by the brands you love. With a dedicated team of experts and a platform that consumes more data than any other on the market, Klaviyo helps you own the customer experience and grow higher-value relationships. And the results speak for themselves. Brands have made more than $3.7 billion, that's billion with a B, in revenue through Klaviyo in the last year alone. From a shopper's first impression to each subsequent purchase, Klaviyo understands every interaction, empowering brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, growth possibilities are endless. Visit klaviyo.com unofficial. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash unofficial. Talk to him. So early on, you said that it had, it went viral. There was a, a viral component to this. Talk to me about that. Tell them tell about the content too that yeah, we put so out. Yeah, so like I would just post 
a po- like we would just post on Facebook and Instagram, and then I would just hit boost. That's literally all I would do. I wouldn't even like now looking back, like that was a terrible idea to do. Um, but I would just Why hit is boost. Why a terrible idea? I just you can't really. I mean, it's not. I guess it's not the worst idea. I just feel like setting up ads now with like the instant experience and different ways you can target on um, Instagram. It's a little bit more specific. You can get. Um, and tr- I guess we- I guess boosting it's like kind of just pouring gasoline on a fire. I guess it's not it's not the most it's not the worst thing, but it's not. I don't know if it's the best thing. We don't target now without a retarget in mind. So our whole goal in mind is always. I mean, we talk about it all the time. We need to beef up the pixel. Like we need to get as many people in that pixel as we possibly can and retarget them based on you know twenty five percent of the video being watched or ten seconds of the video being watched. Who landed on the add to cart page but hasn't converted in the last 30 days? So the whole mindset has changed from the start to where when stuff went viral, it's funny because it was just a simple boost with not much money invested into it. And it went crazy because the one thing Trevor, Luke, Luke is the content manager. He's the youngest brother of the of the three. Um, he does a great job of putting good content out there. And it makes it much easier for our content to go viral because it's hilarious. Like the videos that are posted, the images that are posted, it's very viral worthy content. Um, so at the start, you know, Trevor just putting boost on there, it was more of a, the humor outreach where it's like, it was reaching the right people that just wanted a good laugh. And I think it proves really worthwhile that if you can put something out there that not only resonates with people, but can make them laugh, your brand can go a long way. Let's see. And how do you deal? How do you deal with the seasonality of this business? Um, I feel like we're still trying to figure that out. To be completely honest with you, um, the first time we went seasonal, I thought we were dead. I thought this was a literally just a fad that would last a couple months, and then it was just going to be done. Um, so that was like kind of our first year going into like October, November, December. Um, obviously, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, holidays, all that helps, but. Um, but yeah, going into our second time, we took it a little bit more carefully. Um, we slowed down ads a little bit, which I, looking back, I don't know if that was the right move to do. Um, because at this point, I'm starting to realize the more we spend, the more we make. And as soon as we pull that ad spend down to kind of coast and just feel comfortable, it also impacts the bottom line of like what your profitability is at this point um, because of our employees, our building, all the, all the stuff that we need to pay. Um, sometimes it just doesn't make sense to pull back. And I think we're, we're at that point, obviously we're in the summer months now, but looking forward into October, um, I'll probably also look at, um, cause I do the Facebook ads also with Craig and we'll probably pull, we'll probably pull, um, a lot of the Northern States out of the question and just hit Southern States. Um, we also have never went out of the country and advertised in Canada or anywhere overseas. So that's like another option that we could do. And to prevent us being seasonal. Um, and we represent, we do, uh, we make a lot of products too for, for people that hunt and that's up, up here in Michigan. It's, it's common to do in the winter. So we come out with hoodies, beanies. We've never did jackets, but that could be an option, but that's kind of how we deal with being seasonal and also coming out with maybe a hunting based cooler that you'd bring, you know, to the cabin. If you're hunting or put beer in or whatever. Um, we also want to get in the tailgating market. That's in the, you know, from October to, you know, the end of college football season, people are tailgating and you can hit the entire college demographic that way with maybe coolers that are schemed like that school or, you know, 
that way. So we have a lot of work to do. It's a little overwhelming to think about it, but it's just one step at a time at this point for what we want to do. And the seasonality of this is definitely always on our mind going, okay, guys, just it's fun now, but wait to October. So we'll, we'll see the, I have no doubt you'll figure it out. Um, in a business like this, you initially, essentially like you had a good idea. You took a chance on it, but you, it is uh there's there's a component of luck there. Yeah, absolutely. And now absolutely. you've got this incredible uh, catalog and audience and content. How do you keep that going? How do you come up with the ideas for both of those things and make sure that they're they're relevant to your audience and they resonate? Yep. So just to kind of go off of the luck comment that you made, um, I think yeah, a lot of brands to get going on Facebook and Instagram, it does take a, a certain amount of luck to get that initial traction. And I think if you look at, you know, if you look at the Facebook page now, I think we have two hundred twenty-five thousand likes, and the Instagram has over one hundred twenty-five thousand. Um, but all of that started from an initial like just just burst of people liking it all at once, and then you start to gain credibility as more and more people see it. To where the likes now on a weekly basis just flow in. It's it's like nothing. It's pretty easy to get new people liking the page. And um, I, I think to, to go off of what we're going to do like with the product catalog in the future and everything, it, it's very much based off of a lot of what the feedback we get from followers on Instagram and Facebook now. When we do run these ad campaigns and we push out new products, we do pay attention to what a lot of the people comment with. Um, you know, we've seen things mentioned about like our shipping costs or certain products really being loved. And we pay attention to that for what our next step should be when we're trying to reach these new people and produce new products. So the short answer is, oh my gosh, listen to your audience and your customers. They will yeah. tell you what to do, to an, where to do better and what to make next. To an extent. I mean, you know, if, if we looked at too many of the comments, we probably would have closed up shop and wrapped up the brand like two years ago because people just hate us. Uh, but, the, yeah, the, uh, there's always that share of just utter toxicity in comments. Yeah. Oh, Facebook's yeah. funny like that, man. I, I Some of the comments that we get, we literally look at each other and we're like, these people actually exist. Like we just, it, it cracks us up at times that people go go out of their way to uh, really bash us to the fullest extent. But we love right, it. We laugh about it. There's one that comes to mind. I'm, I'm sure there's, talking about that, there's something that like popped into your head. Um, I know I could think of like some really crazy comments and emails I've received. Give me one example. Give me your favorite, most insane comment oh man yeah trevor's trevor got a lot um i would i think it was it was a comment that said basically like i hope you it was someone like i hope you spent your entire life savings on this brand and it fails and it (laughs) and i like looking at that you're like okay like I mean, there's some other bad ones that are just ridiculous too. Craig, do you know any other ones? Yeah, I mean, anything offhand. Whenever you get a uh, uh, someone that's a huge Yeti fan, um, they really, really take it personally. Um, oh, yeah. We have a really good ad that went viral at the start where it's Trevor at a. I think it was actually at Faster Horses, um, but we have a shirt and it's called the Classic Shitty T-shirt. And on the front it says Shitty Coolers. I'm actually wearing it right now. And at the on the back it says Shitty in big bold print, and it says Built for the Broke. And he's standing in line next to a guy that's wearing a Yeti cooler shirt. And on the back, it says Yeti built for the wild. And we have a a picture of these two people standing next to each other and Trevor's talking to him. And that photo alone, when it went viral, the amount of Yeti people that were saying just 
terrible things about the brand and how, you know, they hope we get sued. And, you know, this is probably somebody that's starting a business with all of daddy's money. Oh, um, yeah. That was but, but, but the funniest <laughs> thing is our fans are, are so loyal to where when there's a Yeti guy making a comment like that, you'll have four or five shitty Coolers fans that comment on his thread and start going after him. So, I mean, we dev- it's comical. Like, we get a lot of laughs out of it to where people are just backing up the brand. But, yeah, people make everything from a personal jab to they think, like, this is a fake brand. You know, a lot of people do really think it's fake, and they're like, I don't even think, like, they actually sell these stickers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, so, so it can be interesting. It's all Why custom. would they think that? That's so bizarre. Yeah, I, some people just, you know, they really don't get how the sponsored ad thing works on Facebook. I, I mean, it's funny. We'll, we'll get people that reach out to us our customer support guy someone reached out to him recently and was like hey quit showing me your ads um on facebook like went out of his way to uh message us and said quit showing me your ads um but he obviously clicked into the website and everything you know how that goes he's he's in the funnel it's gonna be right. hard for him to get yeah. out now he's stuck yeah i had one i was uh we were doing a big giveaway it was 16 th- i think it was sixteen thousand dollars worth of stuff i mean there was a six in the the total number yeah um and we just it was a giveaway i organized it i paid for it and so real like i it's costing me money and i've got videos talking about it and i boosted them and i had it was like right um it was in december it was like a week before christmas somebody just wrote on it shut up <laughs> just <laughs> shut up and that it was so pure and simple and absurd that I replied to it and said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So good. I love it. I mean, it's just the comments like that. It's like, what are you doing? You know, you like, can't, yeah, you I, can't help but laugh. I think they don't realize like there's a real person on the other end. Like the moment it's, it's like on a phone and it's a video. It's like, well, they're not real. They, it doesn't feel real. Of course it's real. Mm-hmm. We actually had a, um, a YouTube video built up that we were up north sitting around the fire and we developed this video called prime beef and it was uh my brother and our other um kind of like actor i don't know what you call maverick he he is the face of the brand um they were behind by the campfire and literally called prime beef and they were reading off comments that were just um basically hateful comments and they would just they're drinking around a fire commenting back about the comments and it was just it was a great way to kind of get back at the fans because like we have we have a different brand we it's a, the brand is a swear word. So when people lash okay. out at us, it's kind of, we can lash out at them and it's, it feels like it's okay. Um, <laughs> which is good about our brand. We can kind of be ourselves, and we really don't have to hide it. Um, like I guess another band would probably comment very nicely back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they have to be professional. Whereas for shitty coolers, it's like an Ed DeBevix diner type deal where you get to be abusive back. Exactly. And people like that. We, like, we go to trade shows. We are probably the most drunk people there. And it does not matter because people, it's, we look at it like we're repping the culture of the brand and they see us having fun. They see us playing music when somebody's across from us trying to sell duck calls, you know, and it's some old boring man just sitting there trying to sell his shit and we're like just killing it. It's like we, we do embrace that. You know, we, li- we do yeah, like Kurt, to drink. With, with the tagline quality gear for the act. Average outdoorsman. Uh, I would say the majority of people out there are the ones like tangling up their fishing lines and everything, and like that's who we're going after. It's like, damn, yesterday sucked, but at least we drank a lot of beers and we had a good time. You know, like we didn't catch any fish, <laughs> but that's kind of like who we're going after. It's just that humor approach, and it's enjoying yourself and having fun. Yeah, that's the the keyword there is fun. It is a fun brand, and I'm looking yeah. through, um, like so your under the lid videos on YouTube. Yeah. They're yep. so good, and the magic of them. 
is you've got this guy Maverick who is such a character. <laughs> yeah, he is. Like that's the thing. I, if when people first get into video, I think they they often miss is don't show me the expected, the average, because it's uninteresting and boring. Show me the most interesting, wild character you could find right. and put them on there. And like, yeah, you're gonna get some you're gonna get some comments where people are like offended that you would do something the slightest bit out of the ordinary. But then everybody else is gonna pay attention. And even the person who left the crappy comment, they spent the time to like watch it, comment, and then go about their day. So exactly. Like, even, either way, mission accomplished, bud. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So and then like, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off, Kurt. But I was gonna say, uh, in your in your videos, uh, with your content, like, what's what are some of the things you think make it successful? What would your advice be? Like the one tip you would give someone who wants to start creating effective brand content. Right. I think there's two ways to go with it. There's a YouTube route to where like you create funny stuff for YouTube that's kind of long, um, a longer type video, and then there's ads. I'm I'm really big on ads. So when I look at uh, like I work with my brother Luke, he does all our video, so we're lucky to have him. He's actually out of high school, so he's just working for us, and this is what he's doing instead of going to college. So he we work together as far as like I'm looking at ad stats with Craig and going, okay, Luke, let's whip up a video and let's I look at the first six seconds to the ad to make it really exciting, like never starting an ad on a black screen, um, always having the most exciting part within the first like two to three seconds of the ad to keep them engaged. Um, that's what I look at as far as ads is just like keeping, keeping the start of that thing, like so exciting where like somebody's just stopping their scroll. Um, also having ads that are vertical and not horizontal that take up more of the phone. Um, so now everything we do is vertical so that they, it's just more the screen real estate. Um, as far as YouTube content, we haven't really monetized our YouTube yet. That was one thing we were kind of looking at kind of approaching next. We have such good luck with Facebook ads and Instagram ads, and we know what we're doing to where like jumping in the YouTube route right this second doesn't make sense for us as far as like the amount of people we have on our team. Um, but YouTube, our YouTube is awesome. Like I, I, I just wish we kind of will take the route of pushing it a little bit more, but we'll, we'll get there on that. Yeah, when, when it comes to ad development, though, uh, Kurt, I would say biggest thing is now the change within the last 12 months, just last year in general, would be um, uh, we now approach everything in terms of how it correlates with Facebook. So it's like, how are you shooting your ad? Like, what are the dimensions? Uh, what's the length of the video going to be? How are you starting the video? We don't look at it as just like a, a Gary Vaynerchuk thing to where it's like, Hey, you got to put as much content out there as you possibly can. It doesn't matter if it's bad content. We're like, no, reel it back in. Like we're an e-commerce brand. If we're going to come out with a 30 second video, let's make sure the first six seconds where we're going to retarget people within our pixel based off how much they view. Let's make sure those first six seconds are memorable. So when we retarget, they remember who we are and want to visit the site. That's brilliant. I love it. Uh, so looking forward and you touched on this a little bit when we were talking about seasonality what's next where do you see this company going in 12 months um i see us like right now we only have a couple backpack coolers on the site they're our main things um i see us literally being the party backpack um kind of go to eventually um we're starting to re we're starting to develop a cooler or a backpack cooler right now that looks like a vintage cooler um so we're like okay you like the brand you're into old things you are into the old coleman um now let's take that coleman that your grandpa used and let's put it into a backpack format and uh we don't even have it on the site now but it's literally looks like an old 
cooler. It's got duct tape holding it together. That's cool. And it looks vintage already. It looks already worn. Um, so like that's kind of like our next like, Product venture. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, down the line, you could literally we could recreate a old looking cooler that a new cooler that looks very old and probably be pretty successful what we're doing it just would have to match the price point that's what's nice with the bags we can stay within a price point that's quote-unquote built for the broke you know we don't have to sell a cooler for 80 90 100 dollars um so that's kind of where i see us going in the next year or so it's just really branching these backpacks out it's a common question though at what point is shitty coolers a cooler company um i get that asked i get asked that somewhat often by people it's like when are you guys going to come out with a cooler um and i think we looking at it from you know being the ads guy and just the statistics and the analytics of everything um surpassing fifty thousand customers our email list is well over 60 or seventy thousand people um the amount of sales we have to date like me, I'm talking with Trevor all the time. Like, I think we have a good enough footprint to where if we did come out with a cooler, there's a demand for it now. And there's an established demand to where, you know, maybe it's not a year, maybe it's two years, but I think that, you know, at some point could be a next step for us. I think that's a great idea. It's the ass backwards way to make a cooler brand, Kurt. It is. Yeah. <laughs> no. Don't come, don't come out with a cooler. Come out with all the stickers, everything around it. And build then make it come build out the cool. audience first, right? And then, okay. and build the stuff, and sell the stuff that's, uh, easy and low cost. A cooler. I mean, we're like you're already into five figures, um, five figures in tooling just to go build a cooler. I mean, it's a huge. There's a big difference between four hundred bucks on stickers and twenty five thousand dollars product development. Yeah, for yeah, a cooler. I mean, a really, a really good stat too. And Trevor pointed this out to me a while ago. Um, out of the top five cooler companies on Instagram. What are we, the fourth biggest one? Third. Third biggest as one? As far as followers. Yeah, yeah, if you look at like Yeti, Coleman, all of those, we're the third biggest one um, on Instagram with the amount of followers and everything. So it's just, it's funny how it's worked out so far that we're like, we're in that group, but we technically don't even have the same products as that group. But yeah, and you're the black sheep of the industry of that that's, niche. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeti's CEO in a, uh, was it Fortune 500 article? Yep. Or Forbes article? Yeah. Um, he actually quote was quoted at the end of the article talking about they asked him, um, you know, what do you think of parody brands? And he actually mentioned <laughs> shitty coolers. I'll send you the link after it. It's really funny. It was cool for us to see that you know he actually does know who we are because we've always talked about He's that. La- he laughed. Yeah. Do the do the people funny. do the people at Yeti know who shitty is? And uh, that kind of you know established it for us that they do. And there's uh, I tried googling that article and found. Uh, in Fortune, they there's an article about you. That's the one. That's the one. Yep, that's Fortune. it. Yep. yep, sorry. Where could people go to learn more about you? Um, they can check us out on Instagram. It's just shitty underscore coolers, S-H-I-T-I underscore coolers, or visit our Facebook page, which is just shitty coolers, or go to our website, which is www.shittycoolers.com. I think there's three W's in it. It's www. Did I only do two? Yeah, you did two. Sorry, right, though. www. I think you know yeah. what? I think they'll be okay. Uh, I think so. And <laughs> I've got a note here: if you use code unofficial ten, you get ten percent off the purchase price of your shitty coolers purchase. Absolutely, we might throw something else in there too. Yeah. Cool, uh, guys. This has been fantastic. I appreciate it. Uh, one final question: if you had to go back in time change one thing do something differently what would it be oh, it would tell me about the nascar i have two i would not have sponsored a nascar 
No shit. And I would not have bought fishing buffs. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we we sponsored a we sponsored a NASCAR. I'll be short because I know it's the end, but we sponsored a NASCAR last year, and the amount of money we put into it and the return we got was nowhere near what we would have gotten if we just put it into Facebook ads. Yep. What's it cost? Um, it was five. It was about seven grand, and then like the cost to go there was like hotels and to see it right. and all that. It, it was about ten grand total. And, and this like, is for like a sticker on the car, not like a. It was. It was actually the back tailgate of the car. Okay. Um, long story short, we got ripped off of it and then put back on it. Um, it yeah, was a NASCAR big, it was a complete debacle. NASCAR said that when they when they were actually showing the car like on TV, um, you couldn't see part of the sticker to where it just looked like it was reading shit instead of shitty. <laughs> um, so for obviously profanity reasons, they had to rip it off. So we had like a a way too professional meeting with like the NASCAR officials where they had to go like inside the RV and talk to them about the brand and why we should be on the back of the tailgate and everything. And, um, yeah, it was a whole debacle and it was in Canada too, which, you know, we, um, at that point we're like, we're never coming back. Here. We're going back home. <laughs> I look back at it and I, I wish we would have, and so we didn't want anyone to know about it. Kind of was a little embarrassing at the time. We're like, Oh, well, you know, we were going to be on it. We weren't now we got a little sticker on the back, whatever. Um, we wish we would have just made content kind of making fun of the whole thing while we were there, which it would have been a bit more valuable than us just kind of like hiding, not hiding it, but like not wanting to share it with anybody. Yeah, should have embraced it. We should have just embraced it completely and just kind of made fun of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But hindsight, yes. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Um, yeah. So no, that's a, that's a good story. Let's, we'll close it out there. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Kurt, you. Thanks Kurt. a lot, man. Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flux. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles and turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.